I'm also pretty quick to disobey when I feel like he's not looking to. <laughs> Ask my wife and my kids. You want your little stick, Micah? 2,000 years ago, God himself miraculously appeared on this planet. He started out by telling a young virgin girl that she was going to have a baby before she ever married her husband, before they ever knew one another, before their marriage had ever been consummated. This baby was going to be supernaturally sired, if you will, by the Holy Spirit. Pretty wild. The next thing he did was he asked some young guy to be a dad to a kid that he did not sire. <laughs> and that wasn't his child. He asked him to be a dad. That's how God prepared the human race and this place that we live on, this planet, to carry out his justice and his redemption for the world and to bring new life to us and to begin to make all things new again. That's, how, that's, what, that's the first two things he did. That's been a, a profound idea to me as long as I can remember. This idea that that's what he started with. Asking some guy to be a dad to a kid that wasn't his. And from there, we have new life, eternal life in Christ. So God miraculously appeared here then in that way as a baby. His name was Jesus and he lived a perfect life. And if you don't understand this, then there's no point in me talking up here today. So there's no point in any of this. The pictures I show you are just pictures. We've got to understand that he died and carried the burden of my sin and your sin. That sin and that sinfulness, our sinful tendencies. Scholars call it sin nature. You call it what you want to call it. But those sinful tendencies and that sin, that's why we all suffer anything we suffer. Adam's body wasn't subject to the cancer that Jennifer's body's subject to now until he sinned, until we became sinful. It's not just crime it's not just hatred racism social injustice it's not just those things it's the physical look at me adam didn't look like this <laughs> until he sinned <laughs> big dummy <laughs> he died and he went to the grave dead dead y'all remember me saying this a few years ago he was dead dead remember that in Sunday school some of y'all <laughs> dead and he rose again he wasn't pretending to be dead he was dead dead and God the Father raised him up from the dead that was part of the plan so if you want to picture the, the idea of baptism we follow him. When I go down into that water, my old sinfulness and my old ugly self is 
is letting go. I'm letting go of myself and dying with him. And come back up out of that water alive. That's the picture of baptism. That's us physically showing that I've accepted spiritually by faith what Jesus did for me. He went down into that grave and he was dead. And he rose again in new life, with new life. And that same life's offered to us. And at the core of everything he did, it was to show us the Father. Leading up to that, the reason he did that was so we could have a relationship with the Father. He said it over and over again. And it's just starting to dawn on me how utterly and thoroughly significant that is and how relevant that is to us today. Jesus, his goal was to do the will of the Father, which was to reconcile me to the Father. That's what God's called us to do at Living River. It's to not only reconcile, number one, reconcile people to the Father. I'm a follower of Jesus. I want, he modeled it for me. I want to do everything he modeled. Uh, the rest of this wasn't worth saying if I didn't get that out. If we didn't understand that, we got to understand that. Those verses Brian just, we just read together, David kind of repeated, said a lot of that in Psalm chapter 10, but not, he can and more con didn't list everything. He said, in spite of all these big, huge things God's done and He is doing, He oversees nations. He sees kings born and die. He kills some of them. Right? We just read that. He's taken down big, mighty, evil men. He's seen nations come and go. But, but um, verse 18 in Psalm chapter 10, where he says, David says all that about God. He says what God's eyes are really on and with all this going on and his oversight of all that, he wants to do justice for the fatherless and the oppressed. Even back then, the mission was to reconcile people with the Father. If you have a Bible, turn to Job. I don't have one up here. I'm going to talk to you from the book of Job of all places. Job chapter 29. I'm going to read a couple verses in Job chapter 1 just to make sure we're all on the same page. This is a description of Job as he walked with God, grown man, very successful. Let me read it. There was a man in the country of Uz named Job. He was a man of perfect integrity who feared God and turned away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. His estate included 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large number of servants. Job was the greatest man among all the people of the East. We know the story. God allowed Satan to attack Job. Um, God was bragging on Job in Satan's presence one day. Satan was in God's presence. And anyway, we all know Job lost everything, his family, all those riches. I could have read more of a description of, of Job, all that he lost, but he lost it all. He lost way more than I've ever had.
Job chapter 20, 29. Verse 1 through 7. Job 1 through 6. Um, let me back up. Job starts out the chapter by saying, man, here he is. His friends have been kind of like telling him, giving him wisdom, quote, wisdom. Uh, I think we're all in here pretty familiar. But they, all these things, possible reasons why God's done this to you, why is he done, well, he, it's your fault, Job, whatever, on and on. He, he gets here to the end of the book, and, and he's, he's claim, he's, he's claim of innocence is what he's proclaiming. That I'm innocent. It's not, I didn't do anything to, to deserve all this. He's not turning away from God. He's, this is what he says, just what we would say. If only I could be as it was in months gone by, in the days when God watched over me, when his lamp shone above my head. I'm reading from the Holman Christian Standard Version, by the way, in case it's a little different than what you have. That's why. And I walked through darkness by his light. We're going to come back to that. What darkness? The description I just read of Job from Job 1, I, there wasn't any hint of any darkness in there. I could continue reading in chapter 1, and you'd see I, I, it's kind of unclear what darkness he's talking about. I would be as I was in the days of my youth, when God's friendship rested on my tent, and the Almighty was still with me. He felt like God had abandoned him, and he's wishing he could go back to the good old days. When my children were, children were around, when my feet were bathed in cream, and the rock poured out streams of oil for me. He said, God watched over me. I enjoyed his friendship, his blessing. Keep, let's keep reading. Verse 7 through 11, we're going to see Job's importance to his community. Let me read them. When I went out through the city gate and took my seat in the town square, the young men saw me and withdrew. The bull's here. <laughs> he enjoyed success, respect. Um, the young men, they backed off. The older men stood to their feet. He's not bragging. He's just telling how it used to be. City officials stopped talking and covered their mouths with their hands. The noblemen's voices were hushed and their tongues stuck to the roof of their mouths. When they heard me, they blessed me. When they saw me, they spoke well of me. This shows Job saying I was, important. I was an important person in my community. Not in terms of fame, but in terms of godly relevance and significance to the well-being of his community. He played a significant role in the well-being of his community, and that was displayed everywhere he went, by whether it was city officials, young men gave him respect, old men gave him respect and honor. They, they understood the significance of Job's life, and those things God had given Job for him to I can't remember the word Ryan used, but it was a perfect word. Anyway, God gave it to him for the sake of the community. Obvious, that's become, becoming obvious. 
The reason God gave Job all those things we described in chapter 1 was for the well-being of his people, his community. Those people within his wingspan. Verse 12 through 17, we're going to read and see the reason for his importance. This is why he was significant. We're going to see here why I say it's not worldly fame. It's not that he was famous. Everybody was scared of him because he was rich or everybody wanted his money. It was different than that. Here's why. He said, they spoke well of me in verse 11 and all those things. Verse 12, for I rescued the poor man who cried out for help. That's why it was relevant to, to the well-being of his community. And the fatherless child who had no one to support him. The dying man blessed me, and I made the widow's heart rejoice. He not only walked around just walking around like he's important, he made the widow's heart rejoice. He cheered them up when they got around them. The joy of the Lord flowed out of him when he got around people. I learned when my mom was a widow. That was the most important thing I could give her. was my own cheerfulness around her. Um, it helped with her fearfulness her sadness and grief, oh, just her inner well-being. My cheerfulness was the most important thing I could give her. So Job said he gave these things to, to the widows. He gave cheer, cheer, and they rejoiced when he came around. I clothed myself in righteousness, and it enveloped me. My just decisions were like a robe and a turban. I was eyes to the blind, and feet to the lame. There's things blind people can't do because they can't see. The point is, he did those things for them. He was eyes for the blind. Those things that they couldn't accomplish because they didn't have sight. He jumped in and did it for him, for them. He was eyes for them. It's not just like some cutesy little hallmark saying. He did what they couldn't do because they were blind. Same thing with the lame people. There's certain things a lame person can't do. It's not him saying, hey, I'll pray for you. Ta-da. Later. He did those things that a blind person's feet would allow him to do for himself. He did them. That's how he was feet to the lame. We talk about being in the hands and feet of God. That's what we mean. Sometimes we're not thinking, when we say it, it's just kind of like a, a line in a worship song or something. We're just kind of spouting off, make me feel good about myself, right? <laughs> That's not what Job's talking about. He said, I was a father to the needy. He gave them those things that a father would have given them. I examined the case of the stranger. He was looking for things. When he met a new person, it was, how can I serve you? He examined their circumstances in order to become, if they were lame, he was going to be their feet. 
If they were hungry, he was going to give them a sandwich. He examined them. He looked at them. What, remember Peter when he came out after the day of Pentecost? I'm trying to remember the details myself. It's in, in my notes. He came to the guy sitting at the gate begging. What did he say to him? What's the first thing he said to him, I think? If I remember right, the beggar said, alms or whatever he said, can, can you help me out, dude? How about you know, a couple dollars? Whatever. First thing Peter said was, look at me. He looked at him. Obviously, Peter was looking at him, right? He, Job says, I looked at him. I look at the stranger. And, and in the context, we see that's what he's looking for. What can I do for you? I shattered the fangs of the unjust and snatched the prey from his teeth. Caleb mentioned something. He asked us, what do you think the number one I don't remember how you worded it. Number one issue in our, in our area. I, think, I don't think anybody got it wrong, did we? Drugs. Job snatched the prey from their teeth, from the teeth of the drugs, the drug dealer. Those things that were assaulting and making people victims. The little children's not, it's the parent that's doing the drugs that makes the child the victim of the drugs. Just like... Anyway, I can go on about that, but I won't. So the reason I say this about Job, it's so closely tied to being a father. Job lived during the patriarch, what we call the patriarchal, patriarchal period in our history. How am I doing? Good night. He was a patriarch. All those within his wingspan benefited from Job's existence. So, I'm going to move to Living River here. Job, you understand why I think Job's relevant? This has really spoken to me lately. For the last year or so, this passage, what Job was in his community. The fact that God called Joseph to be a father to a kid that wasn't his kid. And the significance of that and what we enjoy because of it. My goodness, right? So here we go. Let's go with some pictures. We've got this boat that God gave us, and that boat's been a, that boat's been a godsend. There's been at least one child saved on the front of that boat. There's been shoulder to shoulder discipleship take place on that boat. We've been doing canoes and kayaks and stuff for years, and they're great. You're going to see some pictures of them, too. We're still doing them. God's giving us more. He's like expanding our fleet all the time. I've never had any idea. I never wanted a bass boat or anything like that well, until God put it in my head one day. I was sitting in the canoe in the back, and the kid was in the front, and I was teaching him how to paddle. Little young guy lives over here, live over here in Rugby Square. He was learning how to paddle. And I realized, I can't even look at the kid. Job's, Peter, look at me. I behind him and he was facing that way. And we, we were having a great time. And it is good. It's a great time with the kids. And that's part of what we do. And it'll never stop being that unless God tells us to quit. But I want that day in that boat with little man. 
I said, Drexel, turn around and look at me. He couldn't. He tried, but he was afraid to. All right, Lord, you got, I get it. Shoulder to shoulder. We're going to stand shoulder to shoulder when I teach this kid how to fish. And we're going to stand there and talk about these issues he's having and how fearful he is and how angry he is. We're going to be standing shoulder to shoulder, casting for fish together when we do it. So, the big one, right? <laughs> Here's a canoe trip we took. So you recognize some faces in here. Some of you guys have helped me. This is one way, y'all, there's an opportunity once or twice a year to get together with the whole group and do this, take a fishing trip together. We've got eight canoes now and six kayaks. Molina got connected with somebody that has to do with Matthew's archery. Um, they've supplied us with a bunch of these bows. Those bows are incredible. Those little guys can shoot it. The one in the middle is as tall as I am. The other two, well, you know how big little David is, right? That's my grandson. Those, they're so adjustable. <laughs> Both of them are using the same boat, same size, same thing. They're just so adjustable. But anyway, we've got that. We've got a bunch of targets. They sent us 70 arrows and six bows, five bows. And we've got, got a bunch of targets, and Henry does that with the kids, and I get around them when I can with that. And we, we got more equipment than we can use, than we do people to man them. Um, we've got, this was at the thing we did for first responders out here, first, first responders out here on the Greenway lab two years ago, right before COVID. Um, these are some of the kids in the bus. We, we got together, we rented Schuler's Pool one. It's Stanley Rec Center or whatever they call it now. But it's the pool down at Stanley. Um, that was a great time. We rented it out after hours. Everybody got together. The widows, grandmothers that are raising their grandchildren were there and, and the single moms and whoever's raised. And the whole family, and we, we bought like 60 pizzas and, and just had a blast. Just fellowshipping with one another. Just, just being together, right? This is one day we went pond hopping. John Thomas had a pond we could go fish in. Then we met, this one's the one by the singing tower. And then we went across the road to the caverns pond. And we had a picnic lunch there and all that. Just doing things with children that a dad would do. That's what we do. Here's the trout derby. Uh, we're going to do it again April 15th. We can always use people to wander up and down the greenway with these kids. and just, You don't have to know how to fish. We've been teaching them how to fish. <laughs> just come and be with them. Canoe trip, this is one of the canoe trips. Great time, great fun. Boy, God's put us right here. People come from all over the world to go canoeing here. And there's like kids wandering streets out here that never seen the river before. <laughs> it's amazing, it's sad. Obviously, this gives us these opportunities to share with them, not only about their issues and their problems and things they want to talk about, but about how good God is. You can't miss it, can you? I don't even have to explain it to a kid in a canoe looking at those mountains and that river. And all. I don't have to explain how good God is. I tell them, they say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> take them every now and then, take them squirrel hunting. Um, that's because I'm not a big deer hunter. I 
and they aren't either. <laughs> he tried to get a kid sitting in deer stand for a little while. <laughs> it's all right if they're your own kids. You <laughs> got a little more patience, right? <laughs> no. But we want to do things that they enjoy. So this us uh, squirrel hunting. These squirrels are safer than if they were in their mama's arms. <laughs> but we have a blast. <laughs> the little guy in the back, you can't see it. He's carrying a BB gun. <laughs> we don't care. We're out in the woods together. We're being... Do anything that a godly dad would do, we're, we're trying to do. God's called us to do. Here's a couple guys fishing off the boat. The group, when we went canoeing again, just, all those men were helping. We can use them. Anytime we get more, we'll buy more canoes. That was, I was going to tell that story, but I got some better stories. Um, there's some more at the pool. This is Henry and his buddy Dave, who's been coming to our outdoor. Bible study. He's a biologist for the National Park Service. That's a good guy to have doing stuff with kids, huh? They're shooting some guns there. There we are fishing there, trout stream, uh, right there on the greenway at the last year's trout derby. See Trevor? Y'all remember Trevor? <laughs> Look at that little man. I don't know which one of them caught that fish, but he was happy. You see Robbie Painter there? He sits there. Robbie Hilliard, I'm sorry. He sits there in a chair the whole time and, and reties. Kids just bring, you know, they get tangled like crazy. We have about 50 fishing rods all ready to go when we get there. And by the end of the time, we're trying hard to keep up. They're bringing back tangled up messes, and we're handing them one that's not tangled, and here go. Anyway, it's a, it's a lot of fun, Trout Derby Day is. It's April the 15th. Anybody that wants to help, we've already got a couple people that have called and said, hey, can we, can we help you again this year? It's a lot of fun, not just for the fishing and all that stuff. You understand, it's, it's, uh, it's addictive um, to be around these kids. So some new things we're doing, besides the things you saw in the pictures, there's a couple new things. Ed and Brandon Walters are fixing up bicycles for us. People donate bicycles, and Ed makes sure the brakes are working and all that. That's been a great part of his physical uh, rehab, but since he had a stroke, um, to, to do stuff like that with his hands. Uh, but but that's, that's a, like a side uh, good thing. He's fixing them up here right there in the middle of town. All those kids ride their bikes by there. Got a flat tire, they can swing in there and he can pump it up for them or need an inner tube or whatever they need. He, they can swap bikes. We'll have, have a pile of them there. If they want to just swap bikes and he'll be working on theirs while they've got another one. Um, we've got that going on. We could use some help with that. If anybody's interested, um, just get, we could get you connected with Ed, and when he needs somebody to deliver a bicycle to somebody uh, who needs one that can't get to town to get it, uh, we got a lot of kids that live all over the place, not just the ones riding their bikes around town. But, but we, he can, there's things that he can use uh, help with uh, whenever somebody might be available. That's one possibility. We're also getting ready. 
This is something that's been on my heart since the day one on this thing. And this thing started percolating in my big square head when I was a teenager, Living River did. I didn't have a name for it. I didn't know what, but I knew God was calling me to something to have to do with kids that didn't have dads and needy people. Um, and right from the get-go, because of the way I grew up, a garden. Kids can work in the garden, learn how to work, learn how to garden, um, just enjoy all that uh, under the oversight of a godly man. And not only that, they're growing food to take home. Providing what that does to a kid inside is, is uh, something special. That he can take something home that he's worked and, and, and he's providing it for his, his, his family. Um, Robbie Hilliard is going to be heading that up and he's going to be 100% in charge of it. We're going to be providing the resources and the support for him. And anybody that would want to get involved in that, you'd be doing whatever Robbie needs you to do. Uh, one of the financial things, um, I'm not going to talk about money here. God takes care of that for me. Um, he might wind up using y'all, but whatever. It's up to him. It's not my problem. Um, we're going to buy a minivan or, or a full size. Whatever guy tells us to buy, brings to us and says, this is, if it's in really good shape, we're not having to, we can't buy stuff that we're going to have to spend more time working on than we, than we spend using it. <laughs> um, we need stuff, you know, reliable. We're going to buy one for him to have over there so that he can go. We've got kids all the way down as far as Naked Creek and McGackiesville. We've got people over in Edinburgh, plus right around here. Um, he's going to have different days where he goes in a different direction, picks up a group of kids, brings them, lets them work the garden all summer long. And, and that's, that's a huge thing for me. That's something I've been praying about. And I've never, I didn't look for it or anything. Robbie called me one day and said, I know this is going to sound really stupid. <laughs> he told me about it. I said, you kidding me? <laughs> That's the best thing I've heard in a long time. Yes, we're going to do it. Yeah. And, and that, so he's going to oversee that. He's going to need help, you know. Um, man, he might need people on certain days to go a certain direction and pick up kids and bring them. He wants to feed them while he's got them. Out. You can't make them work all day and not feed them, right? So make, make sandwiches, but he's going to coordinate all that. So if you get to me, I'll get you hooked up with Robbie. Um, he's going to put some seeds in and get them started here real soon. And he's, boy, he's been really working on it. That's really cool. Things we've been doing, we've given away fishing rods and tackle. Once we teach a kid how to fish, we don't want them to have to wait for us to be able to take them. So you see kids running up and down Greenway a lot of times with these little tackle bags from Bass Pro Shops and little Shakespeare fishing rod and reel combos. We gave them to them probably. Um... Hunters donate their deer. A lot of y'all have donated deer. Keith Boyard processes them for us at a really reduced rate. We've got two big commercial chest freezers full of deer, mostly burger, um, ground burger, ground meat, so people can use, them in use it in recipes and things. Um, so we make sure you can't take a kid fishing and take him home and knowing he's going to go hungry that night. We learned that early, like our first ever fishing trip, taking some kids home. I'm Boy, I'm hungry. What are y'all going to have for supper? Kids say, oh, we don't really eat supper. Huh? I didn't, why didn't I think of that? What kind of dummy am I? <laughs> but 
Anyway, obviously those kids didn't go home hungry. But from then on, we don't want any kid we ever know about to be hungry. God led us to start doing this Hunters for the Hungry type program. We call it River's Edge because the trees that grow alongside the river in Ezekiel 47 provide food for the people. Let me get moving. We pray with these kids. Maybe the most important thing we do, pray with them. We pray for them. We lead them to Jesus. We want them to understand what I started out talking about. That's number one. I've bought phones for kids. Little kids. Oh, they're going to get them anyway. I'd rather be the one to give them to them because when I give them to them, they got this app on them called Custodio and I can see everything they're doing on it and they can see everything I'm doing on mine. And so we can contact each other every day. Some of us talk every day. We've got a big group chat with everybody and that's a blast. If you're busy, you got to silence your phone though. Someday, boy... But isn't that good? Isn't that, I, don't even, I never even wanted one of these stupid things. And for one thing, it keeps telling me what time it is. I don't have a watch for a reason. <laughs> anyway, so we've got this thing going on where I, I can't be at every one of them's house every I can't even visit every one of them once a week. But we, these phones are like from God. If you handle them right. You want to know about that app? It's Q-U-S-T-O-D-I-O. Custodio. You and your kids ought to be on it. Sorry, I just preached, didn't I? <laughs> Let me tell you a story real quick, real quick. I'll condense it. I'll be done here in a minute. There's a lady sitting with my wife there, Rachel. That's the only personal detail I'm going to tell you about Rachel. She's cool, though. She's got four kids. I just told you another detail, didn't I? <laughs> Three years ago, I got a call from somebody I didn't know in Lynchburg. They worked for some counseling outfit. They worked with people who had been incarcerated. They, they, there was a lady who had moved here recently over near Edinburgh to live with her sister because she didn't have anywhere else to go. But she had gotten out of prison because she had stage four cancer. And she had volunteered to get in an experimental drug treatment, uh, cancer treatment program in the system, have all these experimental treatments done. She, she had to go to Johns Hopkins and UVA, both. So this is kind of like in between. Um, she was living with her sister and her sister's children. Her two boys are both bigger than I am. They were eating her out of house and home, but I didn't know that when I got this phone call. This counselor, professional counselor. I mean, well-educated. <laughs> Way above my pay grade. Said, Mr. Dooley, I've heard about what you're doing through a guy I go to church with. Your Living River program. Everybody calls it a program. And I wake up in the morning thinking, I wish I did have a program. I'd know what to do today. 
She said, I want you to go visit this lady, would you? And see what you can do for her. I said, you understand I take people fishing? I pray with people and tell them about Jesus. She said, well, I believe that would be just what the doctor ordered. All of our counseling is, is nice, but what you're going to give them is more personal. And we've been hearing a lot of... This is in Lynchburg. I'm not... I don't advertise or nothing. Anyway, I went and knocked on that door. We got to know those guys. Her oldest boy's like this tall. He's the one who got saved on the boat. I met him before I even had the boat. His mom still got stage four cancer. This woman's had more cancer treatments I've never heard of such a thing. But her sister had to take had to take her. Her sister's a beautician. Complications with COVID and the hours they could work and they couldn't work and all that stuff. She, she didn't have a whole lot of flexibility with anything. She had to find a way to get her sister to her cancer treatments. They were all living in one little teeny house. And and so where was I going? So the sister wanted to go in business for herself so she could work her own hours. She could work when the beautician wasn't working, normal hour, off hours. And, and if she, had, she didn't have to go to work certain hours, she could still get her hours in, still be available for her sister. So in the meantime, we're, going, we're meeting these guys, visiting them every couple weeks or so, talking to them on the phone, all this stuff. Well... Derek and Ethan went over and wired up a little building that we had put in her yard so she could do her beautician work for herself in her own yard on her own time so she could take care of her sister who's got cancer. So then I get a message on Facebook Messenger. This is, this is over a period of a few years, right? Two weeks ago? Wasn't it two weeks ago, Rachel? I got, a, I got a message from the sister of the girl, the lady with cancer, and she said, I got somebody I want you to meet. And it's because Derek and Ethan have spent time over there doing electric work, because Judy and I have spent time visiting with them. Just our attention, our attention. Just, just godliness. It's, it's just one thing leads to another. Seeds get planted, seeds grow... Fruit gets produced. So anyway, Rachel is here today. She knows the Lord. You know, she checked me out on that when I got to her door. I knocked on her door. Said, hey, I'm David Dooley. And I do things with kids that don't have dads that, that a dad would do. Anything that I get a chance to do that's appropriate or whatever I said. And, and I said, but I want you to understand right out of the gate, I'm going to lead your kids to Jesus. She said, what do you believe about Jesus? She started giving me the one. <laughs> she made sure I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> you think Jesus is the only way? After I told her what I believe, she was wise enough to say, you think that's the only way to get to heaven? <laughs> well, Yeah. After that, she's all right. She, I'll pass the background check. <laughs> We're great friends now. Trenton went over there with me to meet her, and we, we did some, took care of 
something that, that she didn't have. We used Trenton's pickup truck, carry some stuff for her. It's cool, but it's however God gives opportunity. That's my point. So that's a really cool story. It, it just God just keeps doing it. I didn't pursue any of that. All right, my vision, God-sized vision. I'm hurrying, Brian. You took some of my time, dog, on it. We want to be able to provide support and resources for local churches to reach their fatherless people within their wingspan. I can only, I'm doing about what I can do. Henry's doing about what he can do. Some of y'all that are helping, y'all are doing what you can do. We can't, we, we could only reach a certain amount, but God can multiply that exponentially. And what he's put in place of the patriarchal system, like Job and Abraham, and all those other patriarchs that took care of big communities of people is the local church. So God's called us to support local churches, to provide support, resources, and vision to reach the fatherless people in your own communities, within your own wingspans, as an individual, and also corporately. As and I'm, we're going to get together this evening with the missions team to see how maybe we can work together corporately to, to help carry that, to help give you guys opportunity to reach everybody within each one of our wingspans that needs to know God the Father and be reconciled to Him. All right, another thing, I want Him to continue to expand those things I see. We're actually insured as a business. We are an outdoors outfitters. I want to see that continue. That's my, my vision see that expand where anytime anybody calls me and says I've got some kids I'm mentoring can we have a canoe trip we give it to them when they can do it not when it's convenient for me that means full time I've been asking God for that for years he hadn't made an opportunity for it yet but we know he's going to somehow because he gave me that vision for a reason all those outdoor things I want to be able to do them unlimited. Whatever church calls me, we want to provide counseling down the road. I want to be able to provide grief counseling, trauma counseling, discipleship for new believers, evangelism, teaching people to evangelize, but mostly the counseling that we talked about. I want to see a place, this is a biggie, as Kayla mentioned it too. I've, I've seen countless moms, well, not countless, more than I can tell you about, slip through their fingers to drugs because they didn't want to lose their kids into the system while they're at drug rehab. That's a problem. That's what's keeping, I'd say, nine out of ten of the drug-addicted single moms that I've met and, and been involved with. That's what's keeping them out of drug rehab. Kids get, once the kids get in the system, they can't get them back. So they come out of the drug rehab saved and clean. And they can't ever get their kids back? No wonder. They'd rather be addicted and have their kids. I won't be able to provide that. Housing and care for children whose moms are away at drug rehab. Not only their moms... I could, man, see, I ain't got enough. We got, them, we got men who have gotten saved and want to become fathers in their family again 
get clean from the drugs because of what they see God doing in the hearts of their children. The book of Micah says, right at the end of the Old Testament, when God starts to make things right again, the hearts of the fathers are going to turn to their children, and the hearts of the children are going to be turned back to their fathers. And we're seeing it. I want to be able to provide care for the children while the parents get the drug help that they need. I know that's a biggie. That's a God thing. It's going to take a miracle. I want to see it before I die. I want to know that the next generation is going to continue it before I die. That's a, that's a big vision. Um, you know part of that? I want to see our children go to college to have careers counseling these people, caring for these kids, and being the counselors. Boy, what a great thing if we could put them in a home together and be counseling the parent as we're doing it. I'm asking God for that. I want God to expand us, expand our territory everywhere that he sees fit. I want to be able to do it. Everywhere he calls me. Last thing, this is the last story. I couldn't get insurance. Man, we kept trying to get insurance. We became our own 501c3 rather than being a ministry of Mount Carmel for several reasons. The main one being we don't want anything to hinder us from being able to go to other local churches and support them. Like I said, our end goal has always been to multiply exponentially through other local churches. And we call ourselves regular Baptists and somebody else calls themselves irregular Baptists. And I don't want that to be a problem. So we're not affiliated business-wise with any church. So this finally somebody called me. <laughs> I, I was my head against the wall. Didn't get anybody to insure. Hey, we got kids and guns <laughs> in this political climate, right? <laughs> but that's that wasn't the only. It's just I mean, nope. Nobody's doing what we're doing. There is no model that we've followed. And so there's no insurance policy <laughs> to cover it. So somebody from Idaho called me. <laughs> I heard about what you're doing, and I understand you need some insurance. I still don't know how she knew. I don't need to know. It worked out really good. This lady's name is Denise. She works for the agent who represents the underwriter, Outdoor Adventure Insurance or something. This company called CBiz that she works for is just the insurance agent. Well, she, we get talking. What do you do? Boy, you talk about a pain to fill out the forms for this thing. It's all over the place, right? <laughs> and, and so we worked our way through it over the phone and through emails, and it took forever. And it takes almost as long every year to renew it. But you know what it was doing the whole time? was us interacting. And it was business, but it was also living water. Because I can't tell her about what we're doing without telling her about what we're doing. <laughs> Which is letting the living water flow out of us. Like Jesus said in John chapter 7. You believe in me and from within you will flow rivers of living water. And he says, the Bible says in other places, wherever that water flows, there'll be life. So this lady, Denise, 
Year number two on the insurance, we're setting it all up. Mom's just right in the middle of it all, she said, you know what? How far do you travel? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I've been to the Caribbean one time. <laughs> I, I was a little slow on the uptake. She said, I've got a grandson whose dad walked out on him when he was three. He's eight now, and he's having so many anger issues. He's so afraid that it's, and it's coming out of his anger. He's scared of everything. He's, and he, he, he's got to be tough to, get over, to cover his fear. And she said he's, he's, so, he's a nervous wreck. He just needs a man to just pay attention to him. I prayed with her about it, but boy, that felt lame. I know all we say about praying. I get it. I, I know about praying. But it felt... From where I was sitting, I wanted to get there. I can't go to Idaho for a while and then come back, you know. My boss would probably get mad at me. And, and things like that. Um, but, but, you know, there's re, you know what I mean. There's obstacles. I, I can't just drop everything and run to Idaho. But you know what? <laughs> I wish I could. I'm asking God to make that possible. What if that's God calling me to Idaho to meet another local group of gathering of believers? And it doesn't need to be that. Just one kid needs to be led to Jesus. I need to get there. I pray with her about her kid. She's crying like a baby on the phone. She, she calls me back a month later to tell me something about him and all that. And I forgot about it after that. Right? What an idiot, right? A year later, we're working on our stupid insurance again. And, and I said, by the way, how's Harlan? Oh, she started sobbing. She said, I can't believe you remembered his name. I didn't tell her, actually. I wrote it on the door with a Sharpie in my work truck. <laughs> so I remembered to pray for Harlan. And so that next time I talked to her, I could remember his name. <laughs> so I've been talking with this lady. She's ready to accept the Lord. Um, we're getting ready to add that boat onto our policy. We're a little bit tardy doing it. But... What you, all the insurance men are like. <laughs> That's going to be another. I, she, might, she might accept Jesus over the stupid phone in Idaho this next time when I call her and give her the information about the boat this week. Y'all pray for Denise. For, pray for little Harlan. But more than that, maybe not more than that, you know what I'm saying. Pray that we find a way, that God makes a way, that we can go to Idaho when there's a little kid out there that needs to know about Jesus. And that he has a heavenly father who can run the monsters out from under his bed because he doesn't have a dad there to do it anymore. I get a little excited. So individually, to wrap it up, look, just look. Consider the case of the stranger like Job did. Look around your neighborhood. You see little kids standing, waiting for, do they wait for the bus these days? COVID and all that. Whatever they're doing. Look, examine their case. 
God wants to bring justice to these kids. That means to make things right. He might want you to make it happen. Individually, that's, that's, that's all. And if, if that means call and, and let me know and we'll get you together with Robbie Hilliard to meet some of these kids and pay some attention to you, to them, that's great. Or, or Ed and Brandon or however we can get you involved. Women, we need women who will stand shoulder to shoulder with a single mom who may or may not be struggling with drug addiction, who may already know the Lord. who's raising some kids that don't have a daddy and is so overwhelmed, all she wants is a friend that's a female. Women, I mean, this isn't just about men. Turn your attention where God points it and, and examine their case. Um, corporately, we're going to examine that. We're going to talk about that tonight with the missions team. I have no idea what God wants for us here corporately all to get involved how he wants you to do it I know one th he doesn't want you to like bring stuff to me for me to do he's turning me I've turned we're turning a corner organizationally where we're going to begin to multiply exponentially by joining with and providing resources and support for others for all kind of, whoever wants it local churches to get involved with the fatherless people in their community I'm going to read one more verse to you this is the most profound thing I've learned since I started doing this, and it's really simple. Ezekiel 47, 1 through 12 is the passage that we got the name for this organization from. A, Ezekiel describes a river that flows out from under the temple, which is, in the New Testament, we're the temple, right? Not only that, the temple is the place where God's people met. I think that's us this group corporately, right? He talks about all the benefits of this river flowing out into the desert and everywhere there's life, everywhere that river goes. Trees grow up to provide food, healing, all kinds of things. I don't want to preach another sermon. I want to show you one thing that wraps it, all, everything I've set up. Then he brought me back. This is at the very beginning. This is Jesus incarnate before he came to earth as a man. Brought him back to the entrance of the temple in 47.1 in Ezekiel. There was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. Here's the phrase. For the temple faced east. Took me a long time to get that. I kept telling the Lord, Lord, you know how stupid I am? I don't have anything. I got a son. Jeremiah, he can catch a full-grown fish out of a brand-new mud puddle. I fish for days and don't catch anything. I've never seen anybody like, why can't I be like Jeremiah? You calling me to take kids fishing? How come I can't catch fish? You know, most of the time. That's <laughs> what it feels like anyway. Things like that. I don't have any money, Lord. I don't have a big estate to bring people to. I don't have, I don't have much of anything. Well, in the river flowed where the temple faced. <laughs> God said, come on, dummy, get in the game. Just turn your attention to them. And I'll do it for you. I'll show you. The Holy Spirit will flow out of you, whether you're fishing 
or saying, hey, I'm David Dooley, and it's really awkward right now, but I'd really love to meet you and your family and tell you about Jesus. Either way, or whether it's going to pick up the trash from someone's house because they don't have a pickup truck to carry it to the dump for themselves. The attention, turn and face them. And the river will flow, and there will be life wherever that river flows. It's up to me to turn to face that direction. That's so simple, isn't it? Y'all, most of you, it's so kindergarten-ish. Most of you probably don't have a clue what I'm trying to say. It's like beneath you. But it was like over, it was over my head. <laughs> you get it? The river flowed east because the temple faced east. I know there's a whole lot of prophetic. I got it, Gordon. <laughs> there's a lot of prophetic. Gordon's the professor. I understand there's a whole lot of other deep stuff in there. But there's also this. So that's what I'm calling you to do, individually or, or, or corporately. Uh, however God leads, can we turn our attention toward the guys Caleb and John work with and all those guys with the post-release, uh, with the, the Life Center, and all the people, they, they're turning their attention toward those people, and the Holy Spirit does his job. If, if the temple will face them and examine their cause like Job did. That's what I'm calling each of us to do. Uh, it's not about Living River. It's not about me. It's not about your money. Uh, I'll take your money <laughs> if you want. We got all kinds of things that I told you about that we'd like to see. If that's the way God wants to do it, and he wants your money to do it, you better give it. He'll take it anyway. Um, <laughs> okay? 